Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Creepy Classics. With me today is Lawrence. What's going on, guys? <laughs> and today we are going to uh, listen to some more creepy pastas from around the web. I think today's focus is going to be on Ouija boards, so this should be interesting. Nice. Uh, I think what we're going to do also is we're going to try to talk less during it. I mean, we can still leave the commentary on, but like, try to not drown out the story, and we'll uh, we'll comment more at like the end of each story. I'll pause it and we'll say what we got to say. But uh, without further ado, let's uh, get it going. All right. This occurred last year, sometime in the fall. I'll give some backstory to help with understanding. I swear on my life that this is true and all of this happened. I had recently been broken up with by a guy I really liked and I went into a depression. I'm a firm believer in ghosts and demons and I'm the type of person who shoves their problems away and refuses to talk about them at all, so when this happened, I just kind of burst at the seams and everything from my childhood that I put away came flooding back to me. This put me very deep into depression and I was very close to giving up completely. I stopped believing in God and for the hell of it I messed around and prayed to the devil or whatever dark force you believe in. This story only includes a few people, my stepsister and a few people from around our neighborhood. Now. I'm actually looking forward to these. I'll begin from my neighbor Sally's house. I was with my stepsister, Amy, Sally, Sally's friend, and another neighborhood friend, Nick. We were in Sally's room and her friend had made a Ouija board for shits and giggles. She took an empty cereal box, opened it up, and laid it flat. She then drew the letters and symbols on it and grabbed a shot glass, which she turned upside down. We learned the rules, did what we were told to do to make it apparently work, and tried it out. At first, it was a little awkward because Sally's friend was talking, but it wasn't moving. After a few minutes, she asked again and something moved it to yes. Strangely, I started to twitch a lot. Twitching was something I had started to do since my depression, but I thought nothing of it. I assumed it was from being excited at that moment, (laughs) I've never been so wrong. We made Sally's friend take her finger off the glass to make sure she wasn't trying to play us and it kept moving. So we did it for the rest of us, one person off at a time. Obviously it would have stopped if we all let go. It kept moving. So we stopped playing after saying goodbye to whatever it was. A few hours later, we called Nick to come over and join us. He came over and we went up to the third floor. The room was relatively large. It had a couch against the opposite wall from the stairs with a desk to the right of it, which held a PC on it. We laid the board down in the center of the room and my twitching became very worrying and violent, but I was still able to function properly so it wasn't life-threatening. Nick, Amy, and Sally decided to look up stuff about possessions because it came up in a previous conversation. 
we stumbled upon a website that had stuff about how twitching can be a sign of possession and we all got a little scared. We sat around the board, me about 5 feet from the couch, Amy opposite of me about 8 feet from the stairs, and Nick and Sally and her friend on either sides. Everyone put their finger on the glass and we started. I'll need to give a little bit of info on Amy's backstory so you can understand us more. Her grandmother, so which is here. also my step-grandma, nice. died back in May, and since the funeral, Amy said she's been able to see her grandmother, but also a different, darker figure. She'd usually see it hunched over, its skin dark but light enough to see in a black room, being very bony but with white, glowing eyes. I wholeheartedly believed her since she was never one to lie about these things. At night, she could see the thing lurking around her in the darkness and her grandmother in the daytime. Back to the present now. Amy said that she could see her grandma sitting behind me on the couch, so we let Amy try first. We immediately got an answer. We talked to her for a little bit, and then things started to get scary. Her grandma had said there is a danger for Amy, and she asked who. The shot glass moved to me, and then back to the center. Amy asked if I was the danger, and it moved to yes. I'm not one to cry easily, but right then I started sobbing, terrified of myself. Nick scooted over to me and wrapped his arm around my shoulder in a friendly manner and we stopped playing after saying goodbye. Everyone was comforting me and I soon calmed down, but I was still scared and wanted answers, so we went back to the board. We went over the steps three times, but Amy said that her grandma wasn't there anymore, so I tried. After asking if anyone was there the second time, I felt a weird channel of energy come through me. I had never felt it before, but the glass moved to yes. I didn't mention it to anyone, but I got very paranoid. I asked who it was, and it spelled out T-H-A-Z. Nick and Sally went to look it up and sadly found nothing. They came back and we continued. At one point, I asked, are you the figure that Amy sees at night, watching her? And the glass moved to yes. I burst into tears again and so did she. <laughs> Being thoroughly terrified of this, I made sure no one was fucking with us by each of us removing our fingers one at a time. Not being fully convinced, Amy and I, now sitting next to each other, decided to think of a question that only we knew the answer to. So I asked, how old were we when Amy and I met? And it answered correctly, three. We asked again, and it again answered correctly, and again and again. I was terrified with tears streaming down my face as well as everyone else in the room. Then Thaz got very demonic in his answers. I asked what he wanted with us, and he spelled out K-I-L-L. -L. I had never been more scared of anything in my life, and I don't get scared easily since I've been exposed to horror since I was very little. I asked who it wanted to kill, and the glass moved to the middle of Amy and I. We looked at each other in terror as Nick finally started to cry. I shakily asked when for Amy, and it said two weeks. Then I asked for me, and it said one week. I asked how, and he spelled out D-R-O-W-N. We all decided then and there that it was best to stop playing, so we forcefully said goodbye to Thaz and never went back to the board. It's been almost a year now since then, and I can happily say nothing has happened to anyone. 
I still twitch sometimes, but it's a lot more calm. I haven't tried to speak to Thaz since then, but I can still feel that he's there. Deep down, I know that he never left me, but since I've been recovering from depression, it's like he's been getting weaker. Like he had been feeding off of my sadness. Or maybe you made it up. Alright, so... Thaz... All I can think of is like a wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a good story. You know, it's a good warm up, but definitely a good a good warm up. Um, the twitching thing, man. What do you think that was about? I don't know. I don't know why he added that because it's like, what does that have to do with Thaz? So was Thaz responsible for it, or was it some independent of the ghost? It sounds like like he needs sleep. I mean, like, what kind of twitch? <laughs> what kind of twitching is what I'm asking? Like, like, is it his arm, his leg, his face? Like, well, what? What is twitching? And why was it not? Why was he not twitching while they were doing the Ouija board? Know, why is he twitching at all? It sounds like it, <laughs> he needs to get that checked out, but. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll I'll have to do a little research into this Thaz thing and see if it's a. Some type legitimate. of legit, yeah, legit demon or not, but uh, I'll, I'll just say okay for that first story. Let's uh, let's move on to the second. Yeah. There's nothing to write home about, right, Greg? No. This happened two years ago in April of my sophomore year of college. It nice was an unusually choice. warm early Saturday for my small northwest state. And since it was approaching 80 degrees in the afternoon, I text my cousin who lived in a trailer park down the hill from the campus that we should hang out and do something outside. He agreed, so I drove to his place. We chit-chatted, he had a quick smoke, and we decided to just walk down the main street that ran by the trailer park further into town. After about four blocks of walking and random bullshit, I mentioned I had found some videos on YouTube of legit Ouija board usage and that I had always wanted to use one. Just to see if there was anything more to it other than subconscious moving of the planchette by the users of the board. Which is the main theory as to how the thing actually works. Anyways, he got somewhat serious and said that when he was still living in Seattle when he was a kid, they played with one and things got serious. Unknown noises, people feeling sick, stuff moving and falling off shelves. And he said that it wasn't a toy, it wasn't a joke, and that he hadn't used one since and he didn't really want to do it again. But being 19 years old, I told him that I was going to throw caution to the wind and go buy one anyways. I also told him that we should use it that night. He shook his head, sighed, and then said that he would be down. Let me ask you this before we continue on with the story. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you believe in Ouija boards? Like, do you believe in their power? I'll put it this way. Even if I don't believe in it, it's not something I want to play with. You know what I mean? Like, I, I uh, definitely do. And my, my niece actually has a really good uh, Ouija board story from when she was younger. Hey, well, Corey, what's going on, I'll man? tell you what, man. We need to – what's going on, Corey? We need to buy a Ouija board and do it for ourselves, Greg. I think that's a good idea because I'm, I'm skeptical of them. I, I think that's a horrible idea, but I don't know. Maybe we'll look into that and live stream it or something. But all right, uh, continue. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's continue on. 
Now, before I go any further, I will make it known that I am a Christian and I am a firm believer in heaven and hell. But I'm not Catholic, so I was never raised to fear a Ouija board like they are. I do believe in spirits as well, whether they are trapped here for some unknown reason, are forced to stay, I don't know. And I also believe that darker spirits often try to possess people in order to become them and replace their living soul with their dead one. You know, in order to have life again. If you were dead and stuck on Earth, not being able to move on, wouldn't you want a shot at living again? Anyways, I'm rambling. On to the rest of the story. So I end up going to the Spencer's in the ramble, mall buddy. because no other place sold one. I checked Target and Walmart because they were closed, but <laughs> nothing. Only the ones in Spencer's were glow-in-the-dark and were $30, which I felt was a rip-off, but I bought one anyways because it was the only place that had them. I also had to laugh at the fact that it said it was for ages 5 plus, like it was a damn game of Monopoly or something. <laughs> so I buy it, go back to his trailer, and we played video games until it got dark out. Earlier that day, we met up with one of our other friends from the college, let's call him Jay, and we managed to talk him into using the board with us. So we all meet up at my cousin's trailer, and we have the board out, but we forgot one step, picking a place to use the damn thing. My cousin was not going to let us use it at his place for obvious reasons. Well, shit, I said. I don't know where to go. Then a thought popped into my head. Where's a good place to talk to dead people who may or may not be stuck on Earth? A cemetery. Yes, that's definitely genius. My cousin and Jay gave me a surprised but somewhat excited look and we all agreed that that would be the best place to use it and have the best odds of it working and if shit went south, well, at least my cousin's house won't be the new home of some unwanted guest. So we load up my truck and head to the nearest cemetery which happened to be a somewhat large Catholic one on the top of the hill in the middle of town. There were newer plots at the bottom of the hill and a gated roadway leading up to the hill of the older parts of the cemetery. I drove up to the gate and saw that it was open. There were street lights scattered along the road that ran up into the cemetery and branched off at the top of the hill to other parts and they were on so I figured it was okay to drive there at night. I drove into the top of the hill, parked the truck halfway into the grass and we got out with Jay holding the board. Well, we're surrounded by graves, how do we pick where to go? My cousin tells Jay to just walk where whatever leads him. He starts walking into the larger and darker part of the cemetery. The street lights lining the roads were very weak yeah, and doing dimly it in a cemetery lighting is a wonderful a 20 feet idea, radius of ground around them. Probably so as to light the way of the road, but not turn the cemetery into a miniature sun at night. Jay walks into probably the darkest and poorest lit area of the cemetery, under a very dim street light, and sits down Indian style in front of a lonely rectangular red granite headstone. It was just this singular headstone next to the road and then a four foot patch of grass around it that separated it from the other headstones. There was only a last name on the stone, no first name and no dates which we all found a bit odd but continued on anyway. We got the board out, planchette down on the middle, and all three of us put both of our hands on it. I was slightly nervous, but also excited and eager. My cousin, since he had used the board before, began with what he was taught to use to open the board. Ouija, Ouija, are you there? If you are there, please go to yes. 
the night was still warm from <laughs> the day, and say, there was no wind. I've never heard that. It was dead silent. You could hear the occasional vehicle drive by the cemetery. The planchette didn't move. We looked at each other. This time, all three of us said the chant. Ouija, Ouija, are you there? If you are there, please go to yes. The planchette slowly started inching across the board and eventually found its way to yes. I became so filled Ouija's with a, a rush of energy and excitement. No, I had a huge like smile on my face, as did Jay, because he had never used a board before hey, either. Hey, what's up, Jay? My cousin Jay had a grin on his face, but kept calm. My turn to ask. I asked if they were male or female, and to just move to M for male and F for female. The planchette moved slowly from yes to F. I was still excited, but part of me felt either my cousin, Jay, or me was subconsciously or consciously moving the planchette. I asked both of them if they were just messing with each other and myself, but both of them denied that they were moving it intentionally. So I decided whoever we were speaking with needed to do more to prove it was them. It was at that time I noticed the slight hum from the dim street light still above us, and I got an idea. If you are really there, can you prove it is really you by shutting off the street light above us? Jay and my cousin give me the, did you really just ask that look. The planchette slowly moves to yes, and we wait. About five seconds pass, and I'm ready to ask another question, when all of a sudden, with a click, the street light above us goes out, covering us in darkness. All of our eyes grow big with shocked looks on our faces and I whisper, Oh my god. All of us are trying not to shake with excitement. I say out loud, Okay, this is amazing, now can you turn it back on? The planchette moves off of yes a few inches and then slides back to yes. All the while, our hands haven't moved off of it and we are now all firmly believing that Look we aren't moving no. it. Another few seconds pass and with another click and hum, the street light turns back on. I was officially a believer in the board at that point, as was Jay. We ask a few more questions of which I can't remember to try and figure out who we were talking to. After about 20 minutes of taking turns asking questions, we say goodbye to who we were speaking with, and the planchette goes over to goodbye. And then, and only then, we release our hands from the planchette. This is a rule most people don't follow when using the board, and a reason I feel this leaves the board and homes open for whatever thing wants to come through because the board was not properly closed, and your portal for contact is also left open. We pack hey, up, up the Aiden? board and this time have my cousin pick a new spot to try and reach someone else. He picks a new spot about 50 to 75 yards from the original spot, we sit down, set up the board, and open it using the same chant as before. But this time, we get nothing but incoherent answers that make no sense, almost like there were multiple spirits fighting for control of the planchette. It was also at this time that my cousin and I felt odd, like uneasy, like we shouldn't be there anymore. At one point, part of the planchette slides off the board with one corner in the grass. It still proceeded to slide across the board, even with the added resistance of the ground and new spring grass. Jay, on the other hand, was still excited and opening himself up more and more and asking more personal questions. My cousin and I eventually convince him that we should stop and move to somewhere else. We pack up and start walking back towards where I parked and it was at this moment that I realized that there was another vehicle parked right behind mine with brighter than normal lights. It was a police <laughs> cruiser and they were shining oh, their spotlight into my truck to see if anyone was inside. They must have seen my truck parked on the top of the hill from the road and came to investigate. 
or they just come through the cemetery every now and then on patrol. Either way, Jay and I start freaking out because I have a bottle of rum in the back seat. Being 19 and still living on campus, I hid my liquor in the back seat of my truck. I ask Jay why he's freaking out. He says he has a whole bag of weed in his shoe because he was going to get high after we were done with the board. I get mad and ask why he couldn't have just left it in his truck. He said he didn't know but decided to pick a good tree to hide the bag behind while we approached the cop car to explain why we were there and that we would leave immediately. We start walking towards the car which started pulling forward and turns down the road towards us. The spotlight turns on and shines right on us. We smile and politely wave at the car as we were still slowly walking <laughs> towards it, expecting to get an ass chewing and to kiss ass not to get in trouble. To our surprise, the light goes off, the car backs up and drives right on out of the cemetery. We all start laughing, like, what the fuck was that all about? Why just drive away? Oh well, the event pushes whatever creepy vibes my cousin and I were feeling away and we all decide to go back into town. We eat at Perkins since it was now 12.30 in the AM and that was the best place to go to at the time. We're all excited as we relive the board working, the lights going on and off on command, eat our fill and then get back in the truck again and start debating if we should continue somewhere else with the board or just call it a night. My cousin and I vote to call it a night, but Jay was very adamant about just going back to the cemetery, even Jay though we had a somewhat weird story, vibe there and just had a narrow brush with the law. We eventually decide to go back to the cemetery for only a brief second visit. Pulling up to the cemetery the second time, however, felt very different. The top of the hill looked darker, almost as if the streetlights on top were lighting nothing at all, and the light was being swallowed by some other darkness. It also felt like there were hundreds if not thousands of pairs of eyes peering down at my vehicle from the top of the hill. My cousin and I look at each other and acknowledge we share the same exact concerns and feelings of the place and that we would not drive to the top of the hill anymore. Jay, on the other hand, is still giddy and excited, almost too excited, and tells us that it's calm fine down, and that we Jay. should go to the hill again. Yeah, calm down, we Jay. tell him <laughs> no, and that we will stay at the bottom of the hill where the newer plots were and try down there. He was having none of it, grabbed the board from the back seat, Dang. turned, gazed never leaving the top of the now growing darker and eerier hill and started brisk walking up the road to the top of the hill. My cousin and I are starting to freak out and still standing there stunned. We yell at him, him to go. stop and that we aren't going up there with him. Jay is silent and still brisk walking up the road, almost as if he is unaware we are there, Jay, just stop, still man. looking towards serious. the top of the hill. We try to rationalize what is happening and think Jay is just messing with us to scare us and we sprint after him and tell him to stop. Eventually, I get behind him and my cousin gets in front of him and grabs him by the shoulders and shakes him and says, Stop, we are not going up there, there is nothing good up there, let's leave. Jay, still staring up at the hill, responds, Why? Guys, we have to go up there again, we have to see what's up there, we have to. We both say no and my cousin spins him around towards me and back down the hill and I look at Jay's face and I freeze. His pupils are dilated to the point that his eyes appear almost solid black with only small amounts of white remaining. We forcefully start walking him down the hill back towards the truck. The whole time Jay's head is cranked back towards the hill. Was he like on he crack is mumbling or that we like, still need to go up there. We throw him in the back of the truck, we get in, lock the doors, and I drive away from the cemetery quickly. Jay's face is plastered against the back window, like, still staring at the else. cemetery. 
after we get it's two blocks guy, away and turn, leaving the site of the cemetery, Jay yeah, snaps LSD. out of whatever trance he was in. His pupils look normal and he's asking why we left the cemetery. He tells us that all he remembers was us pulling up to the cemetery again, and then the next thing he knows we're leaving. He remembers nothing of him walking up the hill by himself, nor anything that was said by us or himself. We explain to him what happened and he's just silent. We get back to my cousin's house, we part ways, and I go back to my dorm. I stay up until sunrise, then I finally fall asleep. Jay moved out east a month after that year of college, and I went back home for the summer. I haven't touched the board since. Pause that, we gotta talk okay. about that for a second. <laughs> okay, first off, the fact that that guy's name was Jay just derailed that entire story. Yeah, that ruined it, man. But I, d I need to know, Jay, what's it like to be possessed? Because that sounds like that's what that guy was. Was He was either possessed or he was playing a horrible, horrible trick on his friends. That it took both of them to restrain him with something else. So he had to be possessed or on on something. You know what I almost feel like with that story? I feel, like the, I feel like the first part of it was like true, where they went in the graveyard, used the Ouija board, and maybe maybe some shit happened with the light and such like that. But then they decided, you know what? It's just not a good enough story, man. Let's let's add possession to it. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like I was believing it at first, and they said the streetlights turned off and on. See that like, even even that part I could believe, like. But like the fact that first the cops show up and is his friend possessed when the cops show up? I mean, did they not notice? That's what I'm saying. And like, why would the cops just leave them like that? <laughs> You know, saying they're gonna investigate, check everything, you know, stick around to see if these guys leave or not. Like, I think it's against the law to sit around in a graveyard, anyways. I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> like, so I don't know. The first part was good, and then they went kind of all crazy direction. Yeah, the the first part I liked actually, what because it's typical Ouija board stuff. But let me ask you this: Have you ever like? Has it ever freaked you out when you're like driving and like street lights and shit will like either will go out or come on like right as you reach them? It does, but then I dismiss it as like, you know, it's just Mississippi, man. <laughs> like that's all I think about when stuff like that happens. Now I will it? say, like, if I'm driving at night, I always look behind me in my car. Do you do that? Do you just make sure there's no one like tucked away back there in your back seats or you know, pulling the Myers or something? If if I'm if I'm doing something late at night, yes. But if it's not Stay late here. at night, yeah, it's like you don't worry about that shit during the daytime. You're always no, scared no, of it at, at night. All. Yeah, at night. It's the same way with watching a scary movie. Like you'll be t you'll, you know you can watch it during the daytime and you don't get scared at all. Watch one at night with the lights off, and all of a sudden every fucking sound you hear or something. Well, well no, it's like routine, dude. If I if I'm driving at night, like if I go out for a burger or something, and it's like it's past midnight and I'm in my car. I always make sure to check in my back seats to make sure no one's just, you know. Hayden, Hayden knows what I'm talking about here. Was oh, well, you can't really see it with the with the video going, but um, that the weirdest one that happened to me with the street lights was when one time, like I, legit, like every time I went under one, it went out. Like the one behind me would stay on, but like every time I crossed one, they kept going out. That shit freaked me out. Yeah, that what would freak me out. I've never on? had that happen to me, but what? Explain that. Well, I mean, you try to rationalize it. You try to be like, well, maybe one of my headlights is is shining up and it's hitting the light, making it think it's daylight, so it automatically 
turns off. But, <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. But those things are set on timers anyway, so they're not like light sensitive. They're just set on a timer. So I don't know. It's weird, man. Maybe someone controls all those lights and they just fuck with people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, right, let's, uh, let's go let's, to the next one. Yeah, let's jump into the third one here. This is the last one for Corpse Husband, I believe. I think next is Mr. Nightmare. Close call. How did this get on there? Close calls with sex sexual predators. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh no, that was his last video. Never mind. So it's like I didn't add that in Hello, here. Hello, friends. So sure in case you were wondering why I hadn't uploaded in a little bit, uh, I got really sick. I don't know why I've been getting sick so frequently lately, but it's happening. I jumped 30k plus subscribers since my last video, so welcome to all the people that are new. If you don't know how things work around Send here, basically my channel runs yeah. off of subscribers sending me their personal stories. So if you've had some crazy shit happen and to yes, you, Jay, please send it into the email in the description. Good. Anyways, I had a question. Do you guys prefer the stories with a full explanation and backstory like the second story in this video? Or do you prefer the shorter and to the point stories? I personally enjoy the longer, more explained ones, but since I'll never have an answer to what all of you like, I tend to just mix it up and do both kinds of videos. Please make sure you follow me on Twitter, Snapchat, and Facebook for updates on upcoming videos. It's also good to have me on Twitter and stuff for when I get sick like I did recently, you know, instead of just wondering where I am. I also put some personal stuff on Twitter and Snapchat, like, for example, I've been posting a fact a day about me on Twitter. And on Snapchat, you guys got to hear how bad I sounded when I was sick. I also <laughs> let you know when I'm involved in small parts of other creators' videos that you otherwise probably wouldn't find out about. Like, the small 10 second thing I did for Glam and Gore's channel yesterday. I also very, very recently got the news that one of my biggest inspirations is going to be possibly doing a Get video Get on with, with it soon. already! This was really out of the blue and I'm super stoked for it if it happens. I'll be announcing who it is on Twitter if it all goes well. So that's about it. If you enjoyed this Ouija board but video, Craig, feel free to check dude, out the other one I did a while so back. Like or if you're feeling in the morning. like you want something else. It's I so got good, you with like some Walking night. Home Alone dude, I stories. Know. I, They're both the latest on I ever right get is like 10, Once again, thank you so much for mm, watching. Try you're an dude. absolutely Shirts and everything else in the description. Stay safe and have an awesome day. I want to start out Definitely. by saying that this story Definitely is 100% true. I know people will say that to add immersion, but... I hate when they gotta point it out, like, I, I promise you this is true. <laughs> that makes me believe it less. <laughs> it really people. is, and this is the only place I know where to post it at. Do I believe everything that happened actually happened? Not necessarily. I'm as skeptical as you will be, and I welcome any explanation as to how the events that occurred were not supernatural. It could have been an elaborate prank on behalf of my friends, but there are several reasons why I find that hard to believe. That's true, Mass today. hysteria, maybe. Who knows? Anyway, here's the story. I enlisted in the army in 2009 and had my AIT, Advanced Individual Training, in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. Pretty much any soldier stationed at Fort Huachuca, often named Fort Wigacha, has above average intelligence. Most of the MOSs require a very high ASVAB score. Needless to say, the friends I made were a unique bunch, many of us gaming nerds. 
Huachuca is about 20 minutes from the Mexican border and about 40 minutes from the infamous Tombstone, Arizona. One day, we were bored and swapping ghost stories. One of my buddies bought a Ouija board at Walmart for us to play around with. We'll call him Jackson to protect his identity. I'm not sure Jackson believed in the supernatural, but when your disposable income to free time ratio is skewed horribly in the wrong direction, you buy stupid shit to entertain yourself with. <laughs> Jackson and I attempted to use the Ouija board in our barracks as the base is extremely old and ripe with hauntings. Unfortunately, the barracks we had recently moved to were brand new, so the Ouija board didn't work. Tired of strip clubs and flirting with the Mexican border, we hungered for a unique adventure. I brought up the idea of traveling to nearby Tombstone, Arizona. Jackson lit up when I mentioned this as he had just heard a story of a haunted house in Tombstone he wanted to check out. We came to a quick ghost hunting consensus and invited our buddy Thompson along for the ride. We arrived at Tombstone shortly after dark. It was not quite how I expected it. I had pictured a literal ghost town with a few dilapidated Wild West buildings and the obligatory <laughs> yeah, know, tumbleweed right? blowing through the street. How could you? This was not the case at all. <laughs> Even at night, it's basically a normal town with a few historical buildings and tourist traps. In addition to the downtown stretch, they have a residential area just like any other small town in America. It was in this residential area that we began hunting for the supposed haunted house. We got to the area we thought it was in, but weren't sure which house it was. After a few minutes of circling the block, the group decided to take a break to piss. Everyone went a separate Everyone? direction to pee, but I could not find a place private enough, so I didn't go. Yeah, they, I was the second person back in the car. They together. I climbed into the back seat and asked Jackson, Crosswords. Where's Thompson? I don't know, he's been gone for a while. I'll text him, said Jackson. All of a sudden, Thompson, looking whiter than he normally does, comes sprinting towards the car and frantically tries to open the passenger door. Jackson calmly unlocks the door and lets him in and asks, What happened? Dude, you're not gonna believe this shit, Thompson gasped. His southern drawl tightened like a cello string. I was in this house that looked abandoned, right? So I go in and look around and decide to have a smoke. I look down at my phone to text you guys and tell you about it, and all of a sudden, something touched my shoulder. Holy shit, what was it? I asked. Nothing. There was nothing there. I sprinted back to the car. Pumped with adrenaline, curiosity, and stupidity, I suggested we go full mystery machine and park in a nearby lot and use the Ouija board from inside the car. As soon as we could get parked, roughly half a block away, we anxiously pulled out the Ouija board and put it in our laps. As the person designated to ask questions, I began. Is there anyone here? To my disbelief, the planchette started moving. It slowly but surely moved towards... Yes. Were you the thing that touched Thompson? Yes, it replied. Are you the ghost in the haunted house we were going to visit? No, it answered. Now this is what took me by surprise. If this was one of the others trying to scare us, why wouldn't they take the obvious bait? Claim to be the ghost we saw and commence scaring the shit out of us. 
I mean, that's like a Nigerian scammer writing you about your long-lost fortune and then responding no when you ask if he's able to give you 6 million instead of 5.5 million. At this point, I had a flashback of just about every creepy Ouija experience I had ever seen or read about. They always started with some cliche questions like, LOL, how did you die? And ended with, oh my fucking god, in a flurry of telekinetic activity. I wanted this session to be different. After all, we were a hand-picked bunch of intelligent people, not a group of scared teenagers. If this was real, I wanted this specter to break history with me. So, I took a moment and started thinking. What would I want to know about a ghost? What questions can I ask that aren't cliché? What can I ask that will break the linear decision tree where all Ouija boards end up telling you they want you dead? I realized any questions I asked had to be extremely specific and offer no chance for creepy deviation in the answer. I suppose I could ask it for the coefficient of pi, and it could just respond with, die bitch, over and over, but I had <laughs> faith in the ghost. So the first question the I asked so was, Name one thing the building you touched Thompson in was used for. The planchette slowly started moving again. Ha, I thought to myself, this thing can't possibly get creepy from this question. I bet it will say, like, general store or post office. S-L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R. Slaughter. Pucker Factor 9. Good game, Ghost. Have an upvote, I guess. But seriously, I again realized this was probably not one of us joking around because the term slaughter has not been used since the 1800s. You don't log on to CNN and see, Man slaughtered today in small house in Arizona. Details at 11. If my friends were pulling a prank, the easiest verb would have been something like murder. Intrigued, I decided to ask it why it touched Thompson. H-E-L-P. Help. It replied. Thinking this would lead somewhere creepy, I asked when it died instead. 1867. I again started thinking of questions I could ask that no one ever thinks to ask a ghost. I remember hearing on some website that you are never supposed to ask a Ouija board about God. So, I did the only logical thing an atheist would do at that point. Why aren't I supposed to ask you about God? No, came a quick, terse reply. So, I tried to be more creative about it. I asked it, If you were playing World of Warcraft, what class would you play? It's gonna say Undead Warlock, I guarantee- No, it snapped again. It was weird, despite being an entity that couldn't directly talk to us, you could almost sense its tone of voice through how it moved the planchette. I wanted to continue asking it questions, but our first sergeant interrupted the session with a frantic phone call. He ordered all of us back to base for 100% accountability due to someone losing their weapon. Disappointed, we packed up and headed back. The next day we were telling the others in our platoon about our experience the night before. After many bullshit and eye rolls, another soldier named Green showed interest. We decided to try to talk to the ghost again and take Green with us. He had an SUV which would give us more room to set up the board. 
As a soldier, my first instinct was not only to plan our arrival and departure time, but safety contingencies as well. This was especially on my mind after the previous night. I briefed the group in advance that if anything creepy happened, we were better off with a pre-identified plan on what to do as to take the spirits by surprise. Our ghost hunting SOP was do? as follows. At approximately 2,000 hours, we will depart for Tombstone. This will allow us to arrive after dark. We will take two vehicles, Green's SUV and Jackson's coupe. Jackson and Thompson will ride in the coupe while Green and I will ride in the SUV. We will set up our session in the SUV so as to allow for a quick departure if anything spooky happens. We will leave any weapons or sharp objects back at the base. Spirits can only harm others by proxy. If there are no right. objects around to throw, or possess someone into using, then the only physical danger will be soiling our underwear. <laughs> in the event of one of us feeling creeped out beyond belief or an impending sense of doom, we will give an obvious signal to the others to quickly pack up and leave. Each soldier will return to the vehicle they traveled in and take off back to the base. Upon leaving this scene, the vehicles will immediately establish contact via cell phone to ensure safety and share in the moment of, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? So, it was settled. We had our plan and were feeling confident. The undead were no match for Arizona's finest soldiers. We parked in the same lot we had the night before and eagerly took out our Ouija board. There were four of us now and we were feeling very confident, but I would lie if I told you I wasn't jittery as fuck. Literally everything I knew about life in the universe at this point was challenged by what we had seen the previous night. I felt like the equivalent of someone who discovers a six-inch tall genie in their closet that only they can talk to. It literally felt surreal, like a movie. Green was especially nervous about being with us as he was raised Catholic. Though he was no longer religious, he still had that strongly ingrained fear of Ouija boards. Green opted to just spectate as we placed the planchette on the board. There were three of us controlling it. We started by asking if anyone was there and received a very slow, strained, yes. Hey, I asked it if it was the doing? same being we talked to the previous night, and it said, no. Going off the same theme as last night, I wanted to mindfuck this ghost. I did not want to give it the opportunity to be creepy, and I wanted it to answer questions no one would think to ask. How can a ghost not I wanted creepy? to expose the ghost's vulnerabilities. <laughs> right. As of now, the ghost was this mysterious, all-powerful being. However, as any logical person knows, the paranormal is just science not yet discovered. The ghost must have its limits, I thought. It isn't hey, God and therefore has things it cannot do, things it cannot have. So, I had the bright idea to ask. What is one thing you want that you cannot have? L-I-F-E. Life, yep. it answered. I wasn't sure whether to feel like an ass, an idiot, or both. Before I could decide between shame and stupidity, the interior light in Green's brand new, might I add, SUV flickered. Holy fucking shit. That doesn't just happen. The only time I've ever seen a light flicker in a car was when it was being started. This was getting a little too real. 
This spirit was Alpha, and it was asserting its ethereal dominance. After regaining my composure, I began to brainstorm more questions. You've been asking all the questions, let me give it a try, Thompson contested me. Fine, go ahead, I said. What do you want from us, he asked, in his defiant Georgia accent. S-T-E-V. Dude, there's no fucking way, I thought to myself. My name is Steven and all, but there's no E-N. At this point, I was terrified. No one there knew my first name but Thompson. Also, the planchette was moving in a puppeted fashion, away from Thompson when it spelled it out. The best way I could describe it was like uh, an invisible thread, straight from the front of the car pulling the planchette based on how it twisted and turned. There was no one in the front of the car. Before I could even react, the center console, which was about five inches ajar, closed by itself. I calmly invoked our military plan of action. Okay guys, it just spelled out my first fucking name, let's get the fuck out of here. No <laughs> one said a word or hesitated for a second. Thompson and Jackson scrambled out of the SUV and into Jackson's Eclipse. Green and I piled into the front seat of the SUV. Green immediately shifted to drive and peeled out of the dusty lot. I'm not sure a Ford Escape has ever been used in such a literal fashion. <laughs> Green was in shock and so was I. My atheist brain was questioning if God might actually be real and Green's devout brain was pondering the opposite. Our trance was broken by Green's alternative rock ringtone. It was surreal hearing pop culture in that moment when our brains were so far removed from reality. Green answered the phone. It was Jackson and Thompson. Their car wouldn't start. They had never left Tombstone. Green slams on the brakes and bangs a U-turn that would put Vin Diesel in diapers. He floors the modest SUV. We were going about 100 miles per hour heading down Arizona 82 back towards Tombstone. Dude, slow the fuck down, I yelled. At this point, I was far more afraid of Green's driving than the spirits. They're our fucking friends. We can't just leave them there. We knew the general direction back to Tombstone and arrived rather quickly. Tombstone isn't as tiny as you'd imagine, and we couldn't quite remember where we had parked at. As I am trying to figure out where we are, Green freaks the fuck out. Oh my god. What, dude? I... I can't. I'm not driving the car anymore. Dude, what the fuck are you talking about? I can't move. As if it couldn't get any more frightening, I realized in the middle of Green's outburst that we had inadvertently ended up at the parking lot we'd left. Alright, I'm always trying to think logically, so I deduce the following. At this point, two things are possible. One, Green is possessed by a butthurt ghost who basically told me to check my living privilege. Two, Green is experiencing a psychotic breakdown. Either one of these is a threat to our safety at this point, so I started telling him simple commands. If he was possessed or simply psychotic, simple instructions were the best course of action. Green, stop the car. Green, stop the car, I ordered in a commanding voice. Eventually, logic and reason fought off whatever had possessed him and pulled over. I switched seats with him and began driving. Right after I took over driving, Jackson called and let us know they were safe and about 10 miles down the road towards base. 
Green was still in a trance, but once we got about a quarter mile from Ground Zero, whatever triggered him without warning originally had left. This leads me to believe that if ghosts are real, they have the effective possession range of about a quarter mile. Throughout the ride, we struggled to comprehend <laughs> what had happened that night. Green told me that he could tell the ghost wanted me and that it was telling him to drive down an alley, but that he came to his senses in time. He said it wanted me bad and it wanted him to kill me. It probably would have had him attack me before we left, but our premeditated escape took it by surprise, so it stalled Jackson's car to lure us back. I asked him why it didn't just kill me itself, and he told me, Probably because I'm bigger than you and more emotional. You think very logically, and you're a lot harder for a spirit to manipulate. Plus, I was in control of the car. This made sense and was pretty chilling to think about. If the spirit had succeeded, it would have simply hit the news as Soldier murders other soldier in Tombstone, PTSD suspected. I imagine that's the case when you hear about mothers spontaneously drowning their children in a bathtub or other inexplicable murder-suicides. It's probably a ghost or spirit, but gets blamed on psychosis. About halfway back to base, we stopped at a gas station. Green, still not completely in his right mind, opened the hatch of the SUV, took out a sunshade that came with his car, and threw it in a dumpster. What did you do that for? Uh, I don't know. It just felt evil. Really evil, he answered. That was the final straw on how real this was. It really drove in how much this was probably not an elaborate prank. Why would he go to the extent of throwing away an expensive OEM part of his car to freak me out when I was already emotionally exhausted? To this day, I am still an atheist, but I do wonder about the paranormal, as it could very well be science not yet discovered. I would imagine that communicating with a spirit is the equivalent of trying to talk to an invisible man in the room who cannot touch anything. His only way of communicating is holding a portable fan and blowing paper suspended by a string from the ceiling. He blows it right for yes and left for no. I imagine this is why they communicate in such slow and brief answers. I did a little more research on the location and posted a map and pictures for you guys. Here is a map showing key points of interest. And here is the street view of the parking lot we were in. I'll also include these pictures in the description for you to look at. Ironically, we were in the parking lot for the OK Corral, the famous haunted location where the outlaws had their shootout in the 1800s. From what I can gather, the gunfight happened well after 1867, but keep in mind we talked to two separate spirits. I can't help but wonder if the second one was one of them. Also, I have heard of the idiomotor effect. So if you would like to help me come up with a logical explanation for what happened, keep in mind I'm aware of that, and it does not explain the light flickering and the console moving. I am also aware of Occam's razor and would welcome a shave at this point, as I think it would save my sanity. So, please convince me I'm crazy. Number two. So, I think two things. I actually like that story quite a bit. I, I was I was I was pretty into uh, that one. Really? Okay. Go ahead. Tell me why. You weren't. You weren't. <laughs> I thought it was all over the place, man. It was like, I mean, so they were so basically they were playing with this Ouija board, right? And then 
In Tombstone. In Tombstone. And the ghost wanted Stephen, but why did it want Stephen? Did he say that? What was so special about him? Probably because he was the strongest in the car as far as, like, uh, I guess his mental egos. I think it was, like, a challenge, maybe? Like, well, this is what I think happened. Because they, cause they said they contacted two different spirits in that. I think the first one that they contacted was probably just a... A spirit of someone in Tombstone from you know way back when, and then I think something else came through that was actually what targeted them later on. I can buy into the whole, you know, it trying to take over the car and get at get at the uh, get at his friend or some some way like that because I've heard shit like that before. But I don't know. I like that story. It I was actually into that one more so than the the previous ones. Previous one. I mean, it was because I like the part where I like your theory where it's like two different sets of ghosts, but which that I can mean, happen. I mean, like you, you <laughs> get like if if you're familiar with all the Ouija stuff, man, like you could be talking to one spirit, and next thing you know, you're you think you're talking to the same one, and you're talking to something else, that's something like, that's more malignant, like, yeah, of more, that nature. more more meaner, right? And then there's the. Uh, then there's the theory also that it's always it's always evil from the out the you know the outcome. It's just they basically like act friendly at first and try, turn, he, turn, turn heel on you in mid in mid Ouija board session. So they try to like uh, butter you up before they mess with you. Well, yeah, to make the connection stronger because I think that's what it's about at first is building the connection and making it stronger. That way, it's harder to break later. And plus, I mean, what they want you to do anyway is they don't want you to close the session. They want you to get scared and run away, so it's that door is left open. That's my theory, anyway. Why can't they all be friendly? Like, why can't they be like Casper? You know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't mean. Because honestly, man, whenever you're dealing with the a Ouija board, which is called a witch board, it's it's not really <laughs> it's not really a portal to connect. You know your your dead dog or your dead aunt that you loved or something like that. It's more sinister than that. You're probably only contacting demons. Who, or who, who created the Ouija board? Witches. How do you know? I bet a dude in the 1950s or something made up a Ouija board for like a, a toy no, company. No, dude. Go, go look up. Go look up like... You can you can actually buy some on eBay because I looked it up at one point and was considering. But you can buy like fucking old ones i'm talking like like handmade old ones and they don't even they're not even called ouija boards they're called either witch boards or devil boards and they just they look wicked i got dude we gotta look it up and show because i i gotta see this which is boards let me let me see if i can find a, a picture of a good one i don't think i'm gonna be able to share it though without kicking that video out making it start over I typed in the very first Ouija board. And look, it shows some dude looks like he should have been in the Civil War or something. Nah, you gotta find... You, you gotta look up Devil Board. Oh, don't type in Ouija board, type in Devil Board. It's, like not, it's, it's not gonna look anything like the, the traditional Ouija board that you're used to, I can tell you that. You gotta remember, I jumped down this rabbit hole years and years ago.
I'm gonna go ahead and play the next one while we're looking this stuff up. Alright. Alright, guys. I'm that asshole. You know, that asshole who moves the pointer while playing with a Ouija board. I don't know why, I guess I just liked knowing I was the one responsible for scaring the shit out of people instead of something or someone I couldn't see. Or maybe I just didn't believe that a commercially made product could talk to ghosts. Who knows, but I found out karma definitely is a bitch. One night in college, a friend of mine was over and we were studying. One of those ghost shows came on the TV and they were messing around with a Ouija board. My friend, Liz, said offhandedly to me, You know, I've never played with one of those. I was definitely surprised Ouija boards were such a staple of my childhood. Hundreds of sleepovers with me scaring the crap out of my friends by moving the pointer on the board and that whole light as a feather, stiff as a board thing. I couldn't fathom someone growing up and not experiencing it. I started talking about random experiences I've had with the board and tried to convince her it would be a good idea to run out to the Walmart and buy one. Finally, I was successful and off we went, our studies abandoned on the table. College priorities at its finest, I guess. After our Walmart trip, we got back to my apartment and opened the box. We spared no expense. It was the glow-in-the-dark special edition. Talk about class. <laughs> Liz looked like she was about to piss her pants as I explained how to put your fingers on the pointer. We lit some candles and turned off all the lights. Okay, so just ask whatever, I said, <laughs> secretly smirking. Like what? she asked. I don't know, something fun, like when am I going to die or something? This was always one of my favorite questions for people to ask because while pushing the pointer, I could really freak them out. I don't want to know that. Damn. I was a bit disappointed, but went with it. I suggested just trying to open our minds and see who would come through. I was already planning to have JFK come through. Not many of my friends know I am a huge JFK fan, so I can usually creep them out with the amount of knowledge the ghost of JFK knows about his assassination and whatnot. We put our fingers on the pointer and nothing happened. I was letting the tension grow before I started my pushing. It's always better to start slow. All of a sudden, the pointer started to move. And I wasn't pushing it for once. You can't push it. I yelled at her. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. I didn't want her to ruin my plan. I'm not, Liz shouted back. Well, obviously you are, because I'm not. Aren't the ghosts supposed to move it? She asked. I guess you got me there. I just sat back, shut up, and watched the pointer move. I was convinced she was moving it. She Ooh, had to be. Awesome, Jamie. There was no way a ghost was communicating with us through a glow-in-the-dark spirit board that I bought for $17.99 at Walmart. After a few minutes, we finally got a message. I. Yeah, that does sound pretty cool. I. S S U. Oh, great! We live in New Orleans. You probably find some. I miss you, Liz. Liz was understandably a bit freaked out that the spirit knew her name. I was too, but I kept telling myself she was moving it, whether it would be subconsciously or not. 
we kept going. I need to see you again soon. It spelled out. I need to see you again soon? What does that mean? Liz asked, getting more and more freaked out. I, uh... I don't know, I said, and honestly meant what I said. I had no idea what was going on, I hate to admit it, but I was starting to get freaked out. The Ouija board never worked for me before. You're moving it, she yelled. No, I'm not, I swear. And I did swear, I wasn't moving it for once in my life. Yes, you are. She kept insisting I was moving it, but we kept going. The pointer stopped moving for a few minutes. I was intrigued, yet... Alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up this. Uh, I found one that's very similar to the ancient one I was talking about, Lawrence. Okay. Now, imagine, imagine this, like the oldest... I can't find the image for, for anything now. You're right. But, there's, but there was one that like they found... I forget exactly where they found it, but it was made of stone. And the carvings and everything was on stone. I'm already intrigued by what you just said. <laughs> but imagine, imagine something like this, but you know, like a solid piece of stone. It was almost like a table, the way they found it. Let's see, like this one right here. Let's see if I can something like that. Yeah, it's doing too much, man. It's like you you can tell right away this is something's wrong with that. But the, but the one that I saw a picture of, I can't find it on Google anywhere. There's hardly any images of the devil boards anymore. But it was something like this. And it had kind of like a planchette similar to that. That It, it was weird. It was grooved. Like it would, you had to move it to certain grooves to get to other ones. It, it was, it's really hard to describe without seeing it. But it was something like that. And it was like made of pure stone. And of course, the text on it was not English. Yeah, shit. Fuck that. I'm not... I want no no part of that. Yeah, it's uh, it was nuts. <laughs> Scared. I wanted to see what else it would do, but I was afraid of what I might find out. Finally, getting I have a bit seen impatient, that too, I asked I the first question of the night. Who is this? What do you want? I am Will. Hello. Liz, I still love you. Liz looked like she was going to lose her dinner all over the board. Who's Will? I asked. Seriously, are, are you moving it? Liz responded in a thin whisper. No, I told you I wasn't. Who's Will? He's uh, my ex-boyfriend who killed himself after we broke up. Really, are you, are you moving it? Because this isn't funny. I tried to convince her that I wasn't, but she didn't believe me. She just sat there looking like, excuse the pun, she had just seen a ghost. I suggested that we quit. Listen, Liz, obviously this is upsetting you. Let's just stop now and- No, I need to know if he's okay, she said with a determined look on her face. But I have to make sure it's not just you pushing it and fucking with me. After a bit of discussion, we decided that I would keep my fingers on the pointer but keep my head down and not look. That way, I wouldn't know where to push it. I agreed and sat there, feeling there more go, and more uneasy. I put my head down and closed my eyes, trying to focus all they of like my that. energy or whatever the hell Ghost Will needed to like maybe 
brings some closure to Liz. Seems fitting to have a Ouija board back After about a minute of sitting there with my head down and oh, eyes closed, shit. I started to go cold <laughs> all over. I actually like it. It was unlike any other feeling of cold I have ever had. The only way I can describe it is that my bones were cold and it was chilling me from the inside out. I tried to brush it off. Maybe there was a draft coming in from the cool spring air outside. Then, without warning, my head, for lack of better term, exploded with all of these gruesome images I couldn't control. It was as if any single irrational or rational fear that I had throughout the course of my life multiplied its intensity by a thousand and slammed into my brain at the same time. It only seemed to last for a second and a year at the same time, but regardless of however long it was, every single image was burned into my head. I jerked away from the table, trying not to scream. What's wrong? Liz asked, smiling at me. What the fuck was she smiling about? Don't go into a trance, I don't, man. Why are you smiling? What the fuck is so funny? I could barely contain myself. Deep down, I knew I was acting crazy, but I couldn't help it. Nothing's funny. I'm just smiling because I had the nicest conversation with Will. He doesn't blame me. What the hell do you mean? I snapped again. It's only been like a fucking minute since we started. <laughs> Liz's face scrunched up in confusion. What do you mean? I've been talking to Will for the last two hours. What? What the fuck? Needless to say, I was a bit creeped out. Okay, more than creeped out. I was terrified. I threw that damn board back in the box as quick as I could and blew out all of the candles. I shoved the box into the closet as far back as it could go. I didn't want to look at it anymore. I, threw it in the trash, I announced abruptly that I was going to drive Liz oh, home so and open the door, trying to hurry her. It was definitely out of character. She obliged, however, and we got into the car. The whole five minute drive seemed like an eternity. I could swear I'd see things on the side of the road, but at second glance, they weren't there. Images I had seen of my babysitter mutilated and whatnot from that weird trance-like dream, I had started to shimmer in the corner of my eyes. I swerved about a million times thinking I was going to hit one of these things, but nothing was there. By the time we got to her apartment, Liz looked at me like I was crazy or something. Uh, are you sure you're okay? She asked. Yeah, just get out of the damn car already. I snapped back at her, almost surprising myself with how mean I was being. Though I fully admit to fucking with people while using Ouija boards, I really am a nice person, I swear. Liz did as I asked, and I sped away, eager to get to the safety of my apartment. When I opened the door, I noticed two things right Unfortunately for me, Jay, anyone that I ever tried to do one with was kind of a dipshit and didn't take it serious enough, so it ended up just becoming a joke. Never really had a, a good Ouija board story, but my niece does have one. I'll tell it uh, after these are over. By the way, it was about 30 degrees in the apartment, and all of the blinds and curtains were wide open. I was confused, but I tried not to let my mind wander. I shut all of the curtains and cranked the heat. It was April, so it wasn't freezing outside, but it wasn't exactly hot either. Normal springtime weather. After shutting all of the blinds and whatnot, I sat on the couch and tried to turn on the lamp. The light went on and then pop.
popped off. I again tried to shake it off as a shitty coincidence. I changed the light bulb and went to turn it on again. Pop. Out again. I then went to go turn on the overhead light instead. Pop. All three bulbs popped off at the same time. (laughs) At about this point, I was basically pissing my pants. I was so scared, but I tried to remain as calm as I could. It wasn't easy. Let me tell you. It's not a good idea. I grabbed as many blankets as I could and sat on the couch in the now dark living room. I was going to light the candles we had used when we used the board, but I didn't want anything related to that fucking thing around me. I turned on the television and blared it, hoping that I could just attribute any noise and flash of something in the corner of my eyes to the television. Come on. You know you've done that too. Unfortunately, it didn't work. I was just starting to doze off when this loud beeping woke me up. It sounded like the worst alarm clock ever. It was coming from the closet where I had thrown the Ouija board. I slowly went over and opened the door. Out fell an alarm clock, an old one that I used to have. I think it was my roommate's. I hope it was my roommate's. Blaring uncontrollably. I hurriedly shut the door so the Ouija board would stay in there and I started looking at the clock to turn it off. Not only were there no batteries in it, nor was it plugged in anywhere, but the time flashing on the clock was 4.16am. My birthday. What the actual fuck, okay? Needless to say, I threw that thing quite far and it broke into a million pieces. I wish it stopped there, I really do, but little did I know that was just the warm-up, so to say, the opening act to a shit show that has become my life. I hope this is enough to convince everyone never ever ever to fuck with a Ouija board. Number three. Well, for starters, I want to say- Alright, so this dude's birthday shows up on his, uh, on his clock. And, uh, I don't know, man. That that would be enough to mess with me right there. What I can say is this, dude. This guy's voice is something else, man. It's really... Uh, who's got the best voice for these things? To me, the guy that's got the best voice is whoever does it for the Let's Read podcast. This one is, uh, I think, mostly Corpse Husband. Uh, yeah, well, he needs to... <laughs> do some practice. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. It's like... Is it supposed to be scary or what? Is the voice supposed to... Not necessarily. The story itself is supposed to be what you're listening to, not not so much the voice. It just sounds like he's taking away my energy. Go ahead, though. All right. (laughs) That I don't really believe in all this stuff. It is hard for me to describe, mainly because I like to think something psychological happened rather than paranormal, but I guess I leave that for the readers to decide. Also, I'm sorry if this story is a bit long. It took place over a week or two in the summer of 2011, and I want to cover as much of it as I can. It was the summer after my first year of college, and late, things were going well for me. I had been dating this girl for over a year. We'll the, call her Stacy. And school was good. Anyway, I'd be hanging out at this local coffee shop with some of her friends. We'll call them Emma and Helen. We were bored and not much had happened that summer and we needed a change of pace. 
We'd been talking about the paranormal over our coffee and Emma mentioned that she had a Ouija board from forever ago that we could try out. I laughed at the idea, mainly because I don't believe in that sort of thing, but I've always thought ghost stuff was kind of fun, I guess. Emma runs home while Helen, Stacy, and I head to a nearby park to pick out a spot. Night had fallen, and it got pretty dark. When Emma showed up, we decided to use the nearby basketball court as our place to play the game. I set out the first round or two. Emma, Stacy, and Helen began to ask questions. Helen, being the voice of the matter, asked, Is there any spirit out there that wants to speak to us? Nothing. Bummer, right? I laughed a bit at the whole situation, but then she asked again. We waited. Nothing. Of course. Then Emma gave it a shot. Is there a spirit out there that wants to communicate? Boom. The little triangle shoots over to yes. I immediately call out Helen as moving the piece, but she swore up and down it wasn't her. Anyway, Emma was talking to this spirit for a little while. It was a boy who slowly got more violent and more violent. The conversation got dark quick. I don't remember the details, but Helen ended that shit before it took off. I was intrigued for some reason, but I kept calling out Helen, as I know she liked drama, for moving the piece and she told me to go ahead and take her place. I sit down on the basketball court and think this is just absolutely stupid. I decided I was going to make a joke out of it, and being a big James Dean fan, I asked, Can I speak to James Dean, the actor? No response. I tried again. Nothing. Then on the third try, I said, is there anything that wants to speak to me? Boom. The triangle shoots to yes. It wasn't slow like before when Helen was playing. The thing moved so fast my hands were pretty much knocked off. I looked to Emma and Stacy and both of them were pale as ghosts. No pun intended. I asked them what was up and they said it wasn't them moving it. Being skeptical, I asked the thing's name. It spelt out C... A. U. S. Cause? I asked. Yes. So I began to talk to this spirit named Cause and asked him to describe himself. He said he was blonde, blue-eyed, and burned. All of which I thought was a weird description, and when I asked what he meant by burned, he said, F-I-R-E. Fire? I asked. Did you die in a fire? There was some hesitation. I thought I hit the wrong nerve or something with this spirit. <laughs> it was a long pause and then... You even spelled it out. Yes. I asked what year and it said... 1816. Okay, so at this point I just started talking to Cause like an old chum or something. I began to ask what about his family life and things like that. While I didn't believe it, I still was having some fun. I asked him if he could visit me because I thought he was an alright guy. Sure, that's a good idea. Cause said <laughs> D-R-E-A-M-S. Dreams. I said, uh, sure, visit me in my dreams. That'd be alright. I ended the conversation not long after that. Mainly because it was getting late and the wind really started picking up. Stacy drove us there, so I jump in her car and she puts on her iPod before taking me home. Really odd thing loud, 
deafening static filled the car. There was a voice, not singing, but rather talking as we both fumbled to either turn off the radio or unplug the iPod. We struggled with the iPod, so I just shut the radio off and we sat and stared at each other. We didn't need to say anything. We were both pretty creeped out, but I figured, hey, cause seems alright. I get home a little after midnight and go to bed. That night, I had a dream that I went into my bank to make a deposit. I walked up to the counter and placed the check in front of the teller who was about my age. He was a blonde haired, blue eyed guy. Nothing out of the ordinary. I asked him to cash the check and he just opened the drawer and emptied all the money out, sliding it over to me. I asked him if he's sure and he gave me a wink. He wouldn't speak to me. And then I woke up. Oh, shit, I go to the that's... same coffee shop the next day, not really thinking anything out of the ordinary, and Emma starts talking about how she wants to do the Ouija board again. I'm down this time, no questions asked. Any Sadly, weird Jamie, dreams? a lot of these probably Emma asked are. me. Nothing too odd. I had a dream I was at the bank and this blonde guy gave me the whole drawer. A blonde guy? Yeah. Then I got to what she was getting at. She was implying that the blonde guy in my dream was cause. Could be. Yeah, I didn't know him. Home Street. Come on. So we go to the park, this time setting it up at one of the pavilions. <laughs> I cut Helen out of the game right off the bat and began by asking to speak to cause. The game piece moved quickly to yes again, and I asked him if he was the one in my dream. Yes. Odd, but whatever. I begin to ask oh, yeah, some more questions absolutely. about his family love, and all I'd sorts of stuff, but this time he is a bit more standoffish. I got a lot of no's when asking about his siblings, something he said he had, and his parents. He told me he didn't have parents, and I said that was impossible. Did he just not know them? He said, N-O-P-A-R-E-N-T-S, no parents, followed by other. So... I asked what he means by other, and he said, no, P-E-R-S-O-N, and I asked to clarify if he was, in fact, a person. No, I asked him again, so if you're not a person, what are you? C-A-U-S. Stacy got freaked. She was fairly religious and wanted to end the game. I agreed. I was getting the creeps and went ahead and ended it. I told Helen to try and talk to someone. I was going to have a smoke and watch. Stacy was done and Emma wanted to keep playing. Helen starts trying to talk to someone but she just keeps getting yes followed by C-A-U-S and then nothing after that. I told her to quit fucking around but she was serious. I could tell that she wasn't lying to me mainly because she wanted to get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. We pick the board up and go home. I had an uneasy feeling that night. like. Someone was watching me, but I figured I just had the creeps. Anyway, I got home a little after midnight again and went to bed. <laughs> I good, yeah. had another dream. I woke up oh, in the middle good. of the night to my dog scratching at my door. She sounded panicked. <laughs> I sit up and could see her shadow under the crack in my door and a red or orange light around it. <laughs> Is it sad that... When he said I woke up to my dog scratching, I immediately had a flashback of like my dogs having fleas and waking up just going, stop scratching. My dog's doing that now and it pisses me off. 
I don't know why, but that's immediately what popped in my head is like, maybe your dog just has fleas, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. I jumped up quickly and opened the door. My dog shot out into my room and I stepped out and saw my house burning down around me. The place was engulfed in flames and the center of my living room was the blonde bank teller smiling at me. Okay. He just had this really creepy smile. His eyes were wide open and he said, C-A-U-S. He just kept repeating it over and over and then I woke up. I took a break from the board after that. I was busy with other things. I'd been running around the city for a bit, but every night I got home, I had the same dream every night. Nothing different. Just the same dream. Odd. So I go back to the coffee shop later that week, and Emma points out that I look tired. I explain my dream, and her face just drops. She said that she'd been doing some reading about Ouija boards, and the number one rule is to never ask for anything instead of a spirit. Something I did or to invite whatever you're speaking to out of the board. Something I also did. <laughs> Fuck. I figure the best way to end this thing is to put an end to cause and have one final conversation telling him to go away. We go to the park, the same group as before with me, plus my good buddy Sam Watson, not his real name, who just didn't believe me. Sam was always like that, but I told him I wasn't fucking around this time. Something weird was going on. Anyway, we're sitting around playing the game under the pavilion again. I try and talk to Kaz and it took a few tries but he shows up. I ask him if he's evil. No. I ask him if he's good. No. I ask him if he's a spirit. No. I ask him if he's a demon. Yes. So, I don't fuck around with demons, alright? I'm not religious or anything at all, but I grew up Catholic, and the number one thing I always told myself is that if I were to find out that heaven and hell existed, it wouldn't be because I found a demon. So, I get paranoid. Like, really paranoid. I start having a panic attack of some sort, which happens to me from time to time when I ask to end the game. No. I told him to stop showing up in my dreams. No. I end the conversation anyway and call the local psychic. Odd, I know, we have a local psychic. Well, I start to explain the story and she told me not to come over to her place. She believes every word I'm telling her and that she can't help me. When I beg her to tell me what to do, she says that she'd help me for a sum of money I couldn't afford. Of course. Either she really didn't want me to show up around her, or she thought she'd get some easy money from a broke college kid. Either way. I was shit out of luck. So I tell the group what she told me and before I can finish there is this creepy animalistic laugh from the darkness. Everybody jumps, even Watson. It got cold too. I remember I was wearing this leather jacket I picked up in Europe and I was still ice cold. We decided to roll out. The next few days went by slow, mainly because I couldn't sleep, not at all. I would get the feeling that I was being watched, wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats, have the dream that the blonde kid was smiling at me. Sometimes I'd feel like someone would shake me awake. It does sound like a freaky ass. My right? friends wanted to play the game some more, minus Stacy, and I refused. If this was real, 
I was in enough shit as it is. I turned to the only person I knew that could help. My father. My dad isn't really a religious man at all, but he did make me go to church as a child. His father was super Catholic, so I think that instilled something in him. I don't know. Anyway, I tell him the story and he thinks it sounds ridiculous. I feel that way telling it now, to be honest. He explains that it is all in my head and that if I realize that, the dreams will stop and I'll be able to sleep well, again. I took it to heart and thought that maybe all the answers were made up by my unconscious mind, which is a common theory with Ouija boards. Things simmered down after that. I told my friends what my dad said, but not all of them believed it, mainly because they started having similar dreams of the blonde guy. I figured it was all just psychological. So we stopped playing with the board because school was coming up in a month or so and life just got in the way, but we never revisited it. Mainly because every time they tried and I wasn't around, the hey, board up, would just remain dead. Emma thought that Cause took control of the board and that he was the overall dominant entity that took over when I called him out. I brushed it off. However, it is hard for me to brush off completely because I still have dreams from time to time about the blonde guy. I guess I should just call him Cause, because that's what I associate him with anyway. I no I longer feel weird. alone when I'm alone, and this was years ago. Whenever I get depressed or angry, I wonder if it is Cause or if I'm just finding excuses. Stacy still refuses to go anywhere near Ouija boards after that even though I told her it was just a game. She really doesn't think so. I just can't wrap my head around the whole thing. I'd like to think my dad was right. However, part of me still thinks that cause is real and he wants me to talk to him again because from time to time I think about getting another board and asking how he's doing. Alright, so that was the last one. Thoughts, Lawrence? Basically, I think it's uh, BS. I agree with Jamie on this one. It's too close to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street or something. Like, And what was up with the cause? I thought there would be more to the name. Like, he was missing a letter, and then it was, like, going to finish something. Like, I don't know. His name just being C-A-U-S, but not really meaning anything, kind of irked me. I didn't like that story as much. <laughs> I don't know, man. You have to take it up with demons. Why they choose what names they choose? I, <laughs> I thought it was gonna flip it around and be like, like casualty, and it was gonna go like I was a casualty of something, and it was gonna go into a deeper story. But no, it just ended with that. So okay, so I'll, I'll give you a, a Ouija story. This is not mine. This is this is something that happened to my niece and uh, my ex girlfriend. Actually, they were uh, they decided to make their own Ouija board. I forget what they made it out of. The only details I can remember is that they use like some little piece of plastic as like the, uh, the planchette. And, uh, she, my niece had this friend that she went to, uh, grade school with that, uh, died and it like, it like devastated her. She was, she was really close with her. So her and, uh, her and my ex-girlfriend, they start messing around with this Ouija board and Jennifer goes to ask, what's uh you know tries to contact her friend i think i don't remember what her friend's name was so we'll just call her carrie 
So she goes and tries to start talking to Carrie. And like, uh, actually, I don't remember if she was trying to talk to Carrie or if they were just talking. Oh, uh, that, yeah, that's exactly what happened. They were just talking to it and they asking it general questions. And then my niece asked what, what, what its name was. And it spelled out, you know, Carrie's name for it. And after that, they just freaked the hell out and got rid of it. And ran aside, told everybody about it. But it like, it traumatized her and she like never touched a damn Ouija board again. She like doesn't even like them, like them being in the same room with her and shit. So. That's what I hear. People that mess around with them say the same thing. Like I'll never go around one again. Well, I mean, Jay was saying that he had a, uh, yeah, a, Ouija seen that board experience, a few Ouija board experiences. I've always been too chicken shit to try them. I'm not going to lie. Cause I'd probably <laughs> end up, I'd probably end up doing it by myself and you're not, you're you definitely know? not supposed to do it by yourself. You know what? I thought the same thing. Like I always talk shit about them, but I'm like, I would never buy one personally and have it in my possession. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. me too, Dan. I really like the old school ones. Yeah. But I mean, who makes a profit on them? Like, who sells them? There's some company has to like, maybe Milton Bradley, maybe? Huh? Milton Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> So the, so the question, Lawrence, is would you try one? I would have to have you with me or somebody with me. I couldn't do it by myself, never, because a part of me would always think. So here's the better question is if if we did, let, let's let's just hypothetical hypothetical and say that we did try one. Right. Well how would what would you do if it started moving? Like you know, it starts moving on its own. I would do the stupid thing of like putting my hand on it to stop its movement, <laughs> just because my like instinct would tell me like what is going on, like, and I would put my hand in front of it to to stop it and fuck with it. So like it goes to fucking move. I mean, you're gonna have both hands on it anyway. So like you're gonna take one hand off and just put it in front and be like ah ah ah. <laughs> is that how it works? Because doesn't it move by itself? No, you gotta have your hands on it. So then, then the you're moving. What was that? Uh, it was a Ouija board. I hear creaking. I was like, damn, creaky ass doors talking about. <laughs> no, it's uh. You there? Oh, I guess we lost Lawrence. But uh, yeah, my my niece's Ouija board experience was enough to uh, pretty much turn me off of them, but here I am. Got a Ouija board background, so go figure. But uh, I guess um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I know uh, there's Lawrence. He's back. So uh, anything you wanted to share before we go ahead and wrap this up, man? Well, we could talk about what we got coming up. Um, basically, you know, we're going to start doing this on Mondays mostly, but uh, yeah, if not, if not every Monday, at least every other Monday. I'm going to try to pump one out every Monday, though. It just depends on how much time this week I have to find videos. eBay, wait. eBay, wait a minute. eBay banned, banned Ouija boards. Oh, p allegedly possessed boards. So Dan says that eBay banned, like banned the allegedly possessed boards. I didn't know about that. So people were selling boards that they said was possessed. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that board, Jamie. That would have been awesome. Yeah, and Greg, they used to have Dybbuk boxes. Remember those I was telling you about on eBay? 
Yeah, you can actually still find those. And I thought about buying one and had one for like fifty bucks, but I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I Just, feel like even if I bought it, it would like it would know that I bought it. Like it would know my bank statement. And be like, even if me and you did it together, it would haunt me, not you, because I bought it, and it would like fuck with me. Well, my advice, my advice, Dan, is you just uh, you try to find you a dark web mystery box that promises one inside, and just uh, just go for that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, coming up, we got you know another episode of the Slacker Cast tomorrow night around nine thirty ish. Since I never seem to be able to get home on time, so and we're gonna have another top ten list for you. It's gonna be our top ten. Favorite sports movies yeah, of all time. I've, I've been sitting here. We thought about this all week, and I've got my list together, man. It's, I, I, I have so my good. list. I can't wait. It's good to go. There's no documentaries on it that y'all try to call Dude. sports movies, but we'll get into that Yeah, tomorrow. we'll talk about that because <laughs> I have some, some quips with that. But uh, this list, even my honorable mentions are good for the sports list tomorrow. I can't wait. All right. Well, all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, who joined the chat. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you listening. Yeah, I really do. And, Thank uh, you. Thanks to anyone who uh, saw this. Just hit a like and subscribe if you want to catch some more of our stuff. Put out about three podcasts uh, a week on average. So uh, check everything out. And until next time. Slack off. Greg. I'll try this again. See you later, everybody. Yeah, slack off. We're still alive? We were. Oh, <laughs> good night, man.